Welcome in to Locked On Blackhawks for Friday, October 11th, 2019. It is our first real official post-game Locked On Blackhawks podcast. Jay Zawoski here with you. We're going to break down the Blackhawks 5-4 loss to the San Jose Sharks. What a disappointing way to start the home schedule. But it wasn't all bad. We'll go through the pluses and minuses. We'll go through the numbers. Uh, but a couple things we want to get to before we start breaking down the game, like how to get in touch with me. Send me an email at LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter. Find the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. My personal account is at jzawoski670. There as well, you can find links to my Madhouse podcast at MadhousePod on Twitter. And also, you can leave us a voicemail. Remember, Mailbag Monday, so get those messages in. Email, tweet, or voicemail, 708-653-0572. Get your voice on Lockdown Blackhawks by leaving us a voicemail. Again, 708-653-0572. And there's a lot to get to in this uh, 5-4 loss to the San Jose Sharks, a game where I don't think the Blackhawks, um, at least to start, didn't look very bad. I think they had the edge in play for the first period and a half or so. And then all of a sudden, a couple penalties, uh, you know, some power play goals against, and things started to fall apart for the Blackhawks. I, I literally, I do this every game as I just sort of log how the game's going in my notes on my phone. And the first, you know, third of it, is very positive about the Blackhawks from the first shift of the game. Alex Nylander blocks a shot. Um, Slater Cuckoo does a nice job slowing down Patrick Marlowe. Corey Crawford makes several nice saves through traffic. Then Dominic Kubelik scores his first NHL goal, and things look good. The Hawks are, you know, they're the better team. And then as the game goes on, things just sort of fall apart. And... <sighs> I don't want to, you know, it, it's it's one loss. It's the first home game of the season. Uh, you know, they're coming back from Europe. To me, it sort of counts as like the first real game. I know the whole Prague thing counted, but I think to the players, it probably didn't feel quite the same. And, and it, you try not to overreact, and you try to look at these things in the macro, right? What does this mean over 82 games? And, of course, it's not good to start the season 0-2, especially when the team that just came into your building and beat you was 0-4 before this game. And yes, we went over the numbers on Thursday about how San Jose probably wasn't as bad as their record was indicating, but this is a team the Hawks are should have an edge in play with. There's a couple things that are concerning. And again, we're going to get into the pluses and minuses uh, next segment. But one thing that concerns me is you had three lines in the first period clicking pretty well. Nylander, Taves, and Kane, Strom, Debrinkit, and Shaw, and especially Kampf, Saad, and Kubelik. That line for the first period was unstoppable. Dominic Kubelik himself had five shots on goal in the first period and a goal. They had several sustained shifts in the offensive zone. And then Jeremy Calton inexplicably changes the line pairings and I know you know he's trying to get a spark or whatever but why things were going fine there, there was really no reason to change things the Hawks have been playing well and yes after you know power plays and penalty kills you have to sort of mix and match as some guys were on the kill and some guys weren't and you got to get them rested but it remained that way and I get trying to put the hot hand with your best players I totally get that 
But maybe, just maybe, the hand is hot because of the guys they're playing with. Maybe they found some chemistry. Maybe they gel well, well together. Maybe they're dominating the matchups they're getting because of the way the other coach is matching. There's no way, no reason, the Camp Sod Kubalik line should have been broken up. Absolutely not. And it was. It was broken up for large portions of this game. I don't get it. I don't get the point of that. You've got Alex Nylander here on the top line. Play him there. Let them find some chemistry. You can't just keep breaking things up because they're bad for a shift or two. You know, you've got to have some stability to let these new faces gel with the guys you're with. And then you had one of your new faces gelling perfectly with his line. And yes, it is a compliment to move Dominic Kubelik up a line. It makes sense to reward a guy's hard work, but you don't do it in game when things are working. That's when everything fell apart. And I'm not, again, I don't want to blame the Blackhawks loss on that. There were a lot of things that went wrong, but it's just, it's bizarre. It's just, it's, it's unnecessary. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's the oldest cliche in the book. But there's a reason it's the oldest cliche in the book because it makes sense. I don't know. I just, I don't really get what the purpose of changing up the lines was. Maybe you do it now and again just to sort of see, you know, maybe I can get a spark in this shift. But to break these guys up for a long time, it, it's silly. Um, you know, it, it was very frustrating. Another thing I noticed in this game, I mentioned in the first game, against the Philadelphia Flyers that they were doing a lot of stop and go when they would attack. They'd get their skill players to puck. They would pause and then go to accelerate to try to get past the Hawks defense, and it worked. This game, San Jose was working from low to high, meaning they're moving the puck from close to the net to the point and just getting a lot of point shots on goal. That was absolutely strategic. There's something they're scouting, and they saw that they had passing lanes available often in the game, and they made a point to get the puck to the point to Brent Burns, to Eric Carlson, to their skilled defensemen, and just get the puck towards the net, and it worked several times. Other times it required a a big save from Corey Crawford, or it just happened to hit him. But that's something we need to see. We need to see Blackhawks players sort of selling out to block these shots if that's going to be the approach against them. I don't know. It, it, it's very frustrating. It felt like the game was well in hand early on. Then all of a sudden, something happened and everything's shifted. And then late in the game, aside from the final push that the Blackhawks had, where they were putting a lot of pressure on Aaron Dell, the Sharks goalie, and had several scoring chances and good looks. There were two opportunities right before that where first Eric Gustafson fails to forecheck, then Dylan Strom fails to forecheck, and there's probably 45 seconds combined milked off the clock because the Sharks retrieve the puck and clear it the other way, and the Hawks have to go chase it down and bring it back. Tell me if they had 45 more seconds on the attack that they had at the end of the game, they wouldn't have scored. I think it was Mario Ferraro, the Sharks defenseman, at the end of the game, as time expired. As play was happening, he was doubled over with his hands on his knees. It was either him or Logan Couture, 
but I think it was Ferraro. So out of gas in front of Arundel that he couldn't even move anymore and time just ran out. The Hawks had them on the ropes, but those two shifts where they sort of bailed out on the forecheck, again, first it was Gustafson, next it was Dylan Strom. Those are missed opportunities. And there were several things we're going to get to in the pluses and minuses segment that resulted in this game happening the way it did as well. If you're like me, there's nothing better than a night out seeing your favorite band or sports team. Whether it's a concert or game, nothing beats being in the building. Vivid Seats is the place for tickets to all the live events you want to see. You can sort by price or cherry pick the exact seats you want in the section or row you want all in the Vivid Seats app. Vivid Seats Rewards is their new loyalty program. With Vivid Seats Rewards, you can attend the concert or game you want and earn credit towards the next live event on your radar. With reward statuses ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer, you can earn credit towards your next purchase. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today, make a memory that lasts a lifetime, and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Time for the pluses and minuses of the game we always start with the pluses because as i've said from day one this is a positive podcast i'm a positive thinking guy that's how it's going to go most days i'm going to look at the bright side of things so let's start with the pluses i think aside from the bad cross-checking penalty from andrew shaw which we'll get to in the minuses portion of the segment i think andrew shaw had another solid game he was playing physically he was a factor in front of the net he obviously scored two goals one of which was a couple chances in front of the goalie, standing right in front of Dell. Mata shoots it from the point. Shaw gets a couple swats at it and puts it behind the goalie. That gave the Hawks a 2-1 lead. Then Shaw scored again to give the Hawks a 3-2 lead. Alex Dabrinkit steals the puck from Eric Carlson. By the way, Eric Carlson, not a, not a great game today. That's a lot of money for a long time for a guy who looks like he's sort of mailing it in. Um, but Debrinkit steals the puck from Carlson, gives it to Shaw, who gets a quick shot on goal in stride and scores on Dell. That's his second goal of the game. So I think he played really well. Another guy I want to single out, and I think um, I've not really had a great feel for this guy. Um, last year, there wasn't much of a – he played a lot, but it was – I don't know. I didn't. I never really got a feeling for Slater Cuckoo. Today, I think he had a really strong game. In the first period, Patrick Marlowe – had a nice uh, move to the net. Cuckoo shut him down. He played very physically tonight. And I'm not saying, you know, checking people and trying to put them through the glass, but just fending off driving attackers. There was another moment with Timo Meyer where he sort of rode him off the puck when Meyer had a nice angle. There were several good defensive plays from him. Yes, he was the guy on Joe Thornton when Thornton centered that pass for the game-winning goal, but a lot of guys have been manhandled by Joe Thornton before, and it wasn't Cuckoo who blew his decision. There was no defenseman in front. Goudreau scores for the Sharks. Sharks go up 5-4, and that's the game-winning goal. Um, so I think Cuckoo had a nice game. Obviously, Dominic Kubalik, who had five shots on goal. That's it, shots on goal, not shot attempts. Shots on goal in the first period. 
really solid game for him. He finished the game with six shots and four more shot attempts, so 10 total shot attempts from Dominic Kubelik in 14 minutes of ice time, finished the game with one goal. He was tremendous. I think he had a really, really great game. And what I've seen from Dominic Kubelik through this preseason in two games tells me the Hawks have a really good player on their hands. That first goal, his first goal, the first goal of the game, that showed you a lot about Dominic Kubelik. He's working in front of the net. Then the puck is sort of bouncing every which way. There are a couple shot attempts made. Kubelik then sneaks out from the crease, comes around and finds the open part of the ice where the puck's headed calmly. As he's falling down, puts the puck behind the goalie. This guy knows how to score. He's going to score a lot of goals this year. I would say 20, 25 is probably realistic. Really impressed with what I saw from Dominic Kubelik. I think he was really, really solid in his first game at the United Center. First period, Oli Mata and Brent Seabrook, I think, had a really strong period. And those two also started getting broken up later in the game. Oli Mata is very steady. He can move the puck well. Yes, he's not the strongest skater in the world. That's been talked about to death. But I think he had a really nice game on Thursday night. Uh, it just brings some stability to the lineup. I really like what Oimata has brought to the Blackhawks so far. Now to the minuses. Duncan Keith and Eric Gustafson have been a problem this season. And yes, it's only two games. But their first shift, they parted like the Red Sea. And the Sharks had an unbelievable scoring chance right off the hop. Right off the hop. You had the first shift with Neilander blocking a shot. They change lines. Gustafson and Keith come on the ice. And they're split right down the middle. And it's a glorious scoring chance for San Jose right away. Then the Hawks take the lead. The next shift, Keith and Gustafson are on the ice and give up another scoring chance. Keith, to me, looks slow. Gustafson looks not interested in defending. And really, like I mentioned in the first part of the show, not interested in doing much but carrying the puck. The opportunity he had at the end of the game to forecheck that he passed up, it's brutal. It's brutal. If you want to be the pinching defenseman guy, if you want to be offense only, then you've got to at least commit to that. And part of committing to offense is to go in the zone and win the puck, and he didn't do it. Very frustrating. Another frustrating element of this game, dumb penalties. Both of them on Brendan Dillon. One from Patrick Kane, the other from Andrew Shaw. Andrew Shaw cross-checks Dylan at center ice behind the play in a 4-4 game. Marlowe had just scored a second goal of the game, tying the game. The Hawks are on their heels, and Shaw goes in and cross-checks Brendan Dillon, drawing a penalty. Your penalty kill sucks. It's been horrible all year. It was the worst in hockey last year. What is the point of a cross-check it's center ice behind the play. Maybe you're annoyed with something Brendan Dillon did, and maybe it's justified. Brendan Dillon played 23 minutes and 35 seconds of this game. The opportunities to get even with him with a hit or a slash or whatever you want to do behind the play or behind the ref, they're available. They were certainly there for you. He played 33 shifts Thursday night. For Andrew Shaw to do that in that situation and that obvious of a situation was really dumb and really selfish. 
and and that's poor situational awareness. Speaking of situational awareness, Alex Nylander had a moment I want to focus on a little bit too. Really nice offensive shift. He's controlling the puck, moving it around. He regains the puck, but then turns the puck over, and had Eric Carlson not been on the end of a shift, he would have had a breakaway. These are the sort of things that Nylander needs to learn. Yes, he's a good offensive player, and yes, I think his compete level was there tonight, but he needs to be aware of, if I try to make this high-danger pass, what's behind me? Who's behind me? What's the situation they're in? You've got to know risk-reward, and that's something I think that Alex Nylander needs to develop a little more in his game. Final minus I want to mention, and I hate to do it, but in two games, Corey Crawford's allowed nine goals. Now, a lot of them weren't his fault. One went off Connor Murphy's glove. A couple came off weird bounces, weird angles. But you can make all the excuses in the world. A lot of goalies face weird shots night after night. His goals against is four and a half right now. That's terrible. Absolutely terrible. And again, you can make all the excuses for him you want. You could say he made some big saves in this game, and he absolutely did. But you've got Robin Leonard here. Robin Leonard, to me, is starting tomorrow. He's the guy. You've got to see what you have. And I'm not saying give up on Corey Crawford. I'm not saying taking the starter job away from him or whatever. But through two games, he's given up nine goals. And yes, a lot of that is on your defense. A lot of that is on your defense. There is no denying that whatsoever. But he hasn't been good. So it's time. That's why Robin Leonard's here. You said, they haven't really said this, but the assumption is play the hot hand. Corey Crawford is not the hot hand right now, and Robin Leonard deserves to play. Time to go down the numbers line here on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team, every day, Monday through Friday. You know it. A daily podcast. It's awesome. It's fun. I love doing it. I'm glad games are back. But let's go over some of the statistics for today's game, see who stood out, see who was bad. And here's this is what you need to know. This is the story of this game i was going to say the story of tonight the and make a nice hamilton reference um but because this is actually airing on friday i can't really say tonight i gotta really train myself out of that i've been going back and deleting all the times i say tonight 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 or say the wrong day because i record them the day ahead of time this will be my biggest challenge and i guarantee you i make this mistake at least once or twice a show all right here's the biggest problem the most alarming thing from Thursday night's game Corsi rating five on five I'm going to go by period the first period the Blackhawks had a 57.58 Corsi four percentage in the second period they had a 26.47 Corsi four percentage in the third period they had a 19.05 Corsi 4 percentage. That's good for 36.36 overall. You're more of a Fenwick person? Great. First period, the Hawks had a dominant 63.33% Fenwick percentage. Second period, 37.5. Third period, 25%. For a game total of 45.71 Fenwick percentage. That's the story of the game. The Hawks had things going their way in the first period, and the game just trickled away from them. 
And I don't want to say it was exactly when Jeremy Cullen started switching up lines or exactly when they started taking stupid penalties, but you could probably make those connections if you wanted to. How about high danger scoring chances? In the first period, the Hawks had 12 high danger scoring chances. They had three against them. In the second period, the Hawks had zero high danger scoring chances. The Sharks had six. In the third period, the Hawks had zero high danger scoring chances. The Sharks had four. So after getting off to a 12-3 lead and high danger scoring chances in the first period, the Hawks finished with 12 and the Sharks finished with 13. What happened? (laughs) I don't know. It's really bad. Now let's look at some of the individual statistics of the players. Maybe some numbers that fell uh, through the cracks a little bit for you. Alex DeBrinkett with an assist was a plus three. Dylan Strom was a plus three. He had a goal and assist of his own. 1641 of ice time for Dylan Strom. Brandon Saw with an assist. He played 1253. That line was playing very well. He needs to play more than 1253 when they're playing that well. David Kampf, 1336. And my star of the game, Dominic Kubalik. 1401. Those guys need more ice time. Sorry, they do. Connor Murphy and his return to the lineup off IR played just under 19 minutes. He played 1859. Uh, you know, solid game for him, steady game for him, nothing overly noteworthy, but I think he played uh pretty well. Alex Nylander played 1151. He had one shot on goal, another shot attempt, minus two. So not great from Alex Nylander as far as plus minus goes if you value such things big point of emphasis after Thursday's loss uh, in Prague last week's loss I'm sorry that was Friday see the days man the days the loss in Prague we'll just call it that was face-offs the Hawks got slaughtered at the dot in that game much better today the Hawks won 56 percent of their draws in this game leading the team in percentage was Jonathan Taves who won 14 I'm sorry, Ryan Carpenter, 1-7, lost 3. That's 70%. Jonathan Taze is 61%, winning 14, losing 9. Dylan Strom, 1-4, lost 3. Not a lot of faceoffs taken for Strom. It's interesting. Uh, let's see. Brandon Saad took one, lost, took 2, went 1-1. One and one. Same for Zach Smith. So the only player who finished under 50% was David Camp. He won 4 and lost 5. So not bad. A better night at the face-off dot for the Blackhawks. So, I don't know. That's it. Fortunately, we just have to wait till Saturday now for the next Blackhawks game to react to. And I'll be back on Monday morning with reaction to that game and a whole lot more. So I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Lockdown Blackhawks. The second week, unbelievable, the second week of this podcast is done already. Unfortunately, the Blackhawks are 0-2. But we always say on the score... Sometimes your team being bad is better for ratings. I don't know if it's true or not, but all I care about is the Hawks being entertaining and the Hawks being in the race this season, and I think they'll get there. I think they'll get there. What we saw in the first period was encouraging. They looked good. Just they fell apart in the last two periods. Once they get this all together, and maybe once they're fully healthy, things will start to look a little better. Will Kelvin DeHaan play Saturday? Is Kirby Doc close? These are are the stories we'll be keeping an eye on this weekend and early next week. But until then, until Monday morning, thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks. I really very much appreciate the support. I've gotten a lot of feedback, 
And uh, truthfully, the numbers have been better than anyone expected as far as downloads and listens go. Uh, the staff at Locked On are surprised by how many loyal listeners uh, have followed me from the Madhouse podcast to Locked On Blackhawks or just new listeners that have found Locked On Blackhawks. Uh, wh- how, whoever you are, however you found us here, uh, I greatly appreciate it. So again, get those emails in, LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at LO underscore Blackhawks. Leave me a voicemail for Mailbag Monday, 708-653-0572, 708-653-0572. Leave a message. Get your get your voice on the voicemail line on Monday's Mailbag. Speaking of the Madhouse podcast, a brand new one will be out Friday afternoon. Late Friday afternoon, a new full-length Madhouse podcast with me and my partner, James Naveau. So don't miss that. But until then, thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.